Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Joining me today is a fellow podcast host, Vince Warnock. Vince is also an award-winning business and marketing strategist, a coach and author of the Chasing of sorry, Chasing the Insights, which funnily enough is the title of his podcast too, Chasing the Insights podcast. An ex-radio announcer with over 20 years in marketing, Vince has founded multiple companies, including Chasing the Insights podcast and academy, where he empowers entrepreneurs and business owners to grow the business they've always dreamed of. Live from Wellington, New Zealand, which is the first guest I've had from New Zealand, fantastic for me. And fantastic for him, of course. Vince, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Mate, oh, Jake, so good to be here, man. So thank you for having me on the show. My absolute pleasure. It's always um, it's always good to welcome new people on. And of course, as I said to you off camera, I can't think of much more of a, a fitting man for the podcast. 20 years in marketing. And then, of course, I guess from all that experience inside that, you translate some of that to helping other people how they can grow their business and and really transfer from being an employer and having to rely on that trade of your time for someone else's money to, hey, I want to generate my own money. I want to be able to <laughs> rely on just myself and not have to rely on anyone else to pay my way at the end of the week, month, uh, etc. Yeah. That's, so that's an important point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's get a little bit of your backstory, Vincent. How did you become to be in the world of business and, and, and oh, where has that kind of carried you to now? Okay, I, yeah, it's a pretty eclectic journey, so strap in. Um, I, I originally originally actually trained as an electronics and computer engineer, uh, mainly because I wanted to be that guy that made all the gadgets for James Bond and Batman, and <laughs> turns out that's not a viable career option. So, uh, But still studied all that, uh, got into employment, and realized that I wasn't feeling fulfilled, like this wasn't for me. And mm. part of that is... The, the actual technology aspect, I'm passionate about technology. I love technology, but technology isn't actually what got me out of bed in the morning. I discovered it was more around the people I was meeting, the people I was helping and everything. So weirdly, the transaction of technology and people and certainly understanding how people behave becomes marketing, of course. So I kind of accidentally fell into marketing, uh, similar to how I fell into radio announcing, although to be fair, that is something I've wanted to do since I was seven years old. I, I remember I built a crystal radio set and I used to listen to the DJs on there and think, oh my goodness, these guys have the dream job. They play music all day. This is amazing. And then they get to like have fun and joke around. Uh, it turns out that is exactly what it's like. The mm. difference is they don't get paid very much money at all. <laughs> and that was challenging. So I was like, oh, so I had to give that up, unfortunately. Um, and then, yeah, so, I've, but I've always, like right through my career, I've always had um, this desire to push myself. And a lot of this comes from, uh, I'm married, I've got two kids, I've been married for 25 years now. Um, and my kids are 17 and 23. And one of the things I've always wanted to instill in them is I wanted them to, uh, A, I didn't want them to be reliant on an income. I didn't want them to be reliant on having employment in a job because as we know, particularly this year, um, that's pretty fickle and things can change sure. really, really quickly. So mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to generate their own wealth, generate their own security and, and, and their own kind of fulfillment and things. So so to do that, I realized I couldn't just say that to them. You can't just say to your kids or to my wife, you know, hey guys, you can go out there, you can take risks, you can try something new, you can try something different and push yourself if you're not really modeling that yourself. So a big driver for me was trying to create this environment where Leanne, my wife, and you know, and my two kids, where they 
kind of felt like they could do anything. They felt like, you know, it's okay to try something. It's okay if it doesn't work uh, because you'll learn from that and you'll move on, you'll do something and eventually it will work. So, so that's kind of been a big driver. And I've always, as a result, I've switched careers a number of times. Uh, I left a pretty well-paying marketing job to, um, to go six months with no income at all, which was when I started Common Ledger, one of my previous companies. And um, I remember the conversation with Leanne going, hey, you know this well-paying job I've got? And she goes, yeah, you know this opportunity that's there. She goes, yeah, where's this going? Well, basically, I need to go in boots and all. And if I do that, that means six months of no income at all until we, we raised a seed round, um, which we, we planned for six months out. The interesting part of that was it was the exact same time that she wanted to change her career. Uh, right. She had she had been trained as an early childcare teacher and uh, doesn't hate kids, but certainly was over it, <laughs> especially when you got your own. It's like, these kids are just messy and oh my goodness. But she had this real calling and this real desire to help people with addictions. Um, we'd helped her between us right. and help a lot of people in our life. And yeah, she just felt this need to do it. But she had this internal challenge of not wanting to or not believing that she could learn something new because it's kind of, hey, later in life, doing this is scary. And then she finally got to the point where it's like, actually, I feel ready now. I can do this. I can study. I can change career at the exact same time I was leaving my job. And it was like, well, so both of us are leaving our jobs. And that means we've got no income at all for six months. <laughs> and I looked at her and she just went, eh, when have we never fallen on our feet? And we went, that's it. Uh, and that's that's kind of how we've always been as a family. So we rented it. We raised our, we raised a million dollars to um, to fund our company. Grew that for about four years, and then I sold it off, or we sold it off, and I moved on to become the chief marketing officer eventually at Cigna, uh, which was kind of it's where I was heading until January February this year, where I again right. felt that itch, felt that yep. urge, needed to do something different and needed to help people and. I left, com I left Cigna to write my next book. So I've written Chasing the Insights. I'm writing another book at the moment. And I was getting no time to do that. Chief Marketing Officer role, by the way, is just full on. You get no time to do anything. It's like, whoa. I can imagine. So, yeah. yeah. So I just went, okay, that's it. I'm leaving this. I'm going to focus on my writing, uh, which lasted about five minutes because uh, COVID <laughs> hit. And, and everyone I'm talking to, all these companies I'm talking to and, and getting input for the book and things and, and you know, just talking with them, all of them lost their revenue. Uh, every single one got in the same position where it was like, hey, we still have the same overheads, but right now we have no income at all and mm -hmm. we're freaking out. And I'm there going, hey, can you guys give me give me a hand here and give me some input? And they're just going, we're not in the right headspace. So mm, I couldn't yeah. stand back and I thought I need to do something about this. So I helped a number of them to pivot, a number of them to find additional income streams, a number of them to rethink how their business model is. Uh, and to look at how they can get additional value and things. And turns out I, and I mean, I'd known it because I've helped companies for years and years, but it turns out I was actually really good at this. And we, yeah. oh, okay, we saw massive growth in these companies in the midst of COVID. Um, I'm yeah. almost, almost embarrassed to say I'm actually, I kind of enjoy COVID in the sense that I don't enjoy obviously the deaths and the sickness and all that kind of stuff that's happening around the world. But certainly for me and for a lot of the people I'm working with, it has actually been a really good year, a year of opportunity and a year of growth. So, so now I'm, I'm writing two books because you know, that's what you do. So I'm writing two books at the same time. I launched the podcast, which is going gangbusters. Uh, and as well, I'm doing coaching work and uh, consulting, helping different companies with their marketing and, and just having a blast. This has been the most fun year I think I've had in ages. Uh, yeah. So there, there you go. That's my whirlwind tour, man. <laughs> Love you, mate. I mean, I, I just truly, 
an inspirational story there, I really think. I, I think, and, and someone who really defines and displays that hunger for the hustle, which is what this podcast is really all about. And yeah. a couple of points that you, you touched on there, something interesting, which is just timely. You mentioned that you used to work in radio. I've actually come from this morning um, an interview at Gold FM with Christian O'Connell about some charity work I do. And it was really interesting to see behind the curtain of radio and actually go in the studio of something that you only audibly hear, hear and, and just see how it all works and plays out and all the, and all the control board and the knobs and the dials. It's, oh, uh, it, it's, so it's much really fun, yeah. what you think. Yeah, it, it, and it, yeah, it does look like a, an, awful, an awful lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say, so Jake, you, you would love it. I mean, I, the reason I got into podcasting, this is something I've been wanting to do for a few years. Mm. Um, that you know, I'd always kind of pro uh, always procrastinate, I'd always put it off and put it off. But the reason I wanted to get into it was this is kind of the new radio, and radio it's not dead, and I don't think it'll ever die, but it's certainly having its struggles, and it's becoming less and less of a career option for a lot of people. Whereas podcasting, mm. you control your own destiny. I, I just get to connect with the coolest people around the world, like literally yeah. some of the best marketers and salespeople and mindset gurus and all sorts of stuff. I just get to connect with them and chat, and, and then every now and then remember that there's actually an audience because it's just me hanging yeah, yeah. out with someone I like, which is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel exactly the same. And the great thing about podcasting is it's just – free flowing there's no one telling you what you can and can't talk about there's no one telling you um you know you specifically have to direct your conversation to a certain point or end there's no one telling you oh look we've got to push this this month to so make sure you mention it 10 times within an hour <laughs> you know, it, well, it, it, to be clear it, i have had a guest that has requested that before but no <laughs> <laughs> look i'm sure it, i'm sure it comes up it happens but it's not it's not certainly not the way it's, it's just massively commercialized in, yeah. in radio of course you get a few ads sneaking in on you know this podcast goes out on, on the spotify platform and i know they've brought in ads now within their podcast but at least they put them at the start and at the end because there's nothing worse than trying to enjoy listening to something and then midway through you get cut out cut out with an ad it actually happened to me earlier today and i was really confused because it was <laughs> motivational i was listening to and yeah. then i was like i came away went back in the room and i was like but this guy's voice has totally changed and now he's trying to sell me a course on Amazon and I was like, oh, it's an ad. I've tried to, I deliberately try and keep my podcast ad-free uh, wherever I can. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. I can't control things like Spotify, but no. it was something important to me to make sure that it's authentic and genuine for people. I'm not selling them anything. There, I have a supporters club, uh, we call it insiders club, where they can mm. support the show, but really that's it and you know uh, the guests that i have on there give their time freely and give their expertise freely which is yeah. just incredible so yeah. yeah same same exactly the same yeah. um for my show and i think it's, it's about intent there isn't it it's about what you go in with your intentions for why do you do the show you know i do this my show specifically to provide a space for the guests to share their story share their message perhaps you know it's all well and good if they've got something that ties in with that, with it, that they're promoting you know, absolutely fine. And of course, for, for the audience, you know, as you as you said there, it's easy to forget whilst you're doing these podcasts that there sometimes there even is an audience. Of course, you <laughs> see the comments, the comments flying in sometimes. Sometimes you don't get any. But um, it's just, I'm just honestly, when I do these, I'm as relaxed as a man at home patting his dog. I, I really am, or, or a woman. And it's just, you know, I've I'm never met to see the dog now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've never. Uh, Never met you before, but you know you just you, you you connect with people so easily when you're doing these things, and and I think actually 
I'll be interested to know your perspective on this, Vince, that you said, yeah. you know, things really changed for you this year inside COVID. I'm a firm believer with you. It's been a completely different year for me and a completely different year for many of us, but it's been a great year for opportunity, for learning new things, for picking up things that perhaps you you wouldn't have done before for many years, maybe never. And, um, you know, do you think you would have even gone ahead with and, and create the podcast and the coaching that you're doing for people if this hasn't happened? Yeah, I think um, the podcast, yes. Um, the coaching, not necessarily. So, I mean, it, COVID wasn't really the, so COVID wasn't happening when I left Signa. So obviously it came in just after that. And by the way, that was a moment where I went, oh, fuel, good timing. <laughs> it's your guys' problem now, not mine. Um, but the interesting <laughs> thing was I, I was, I was actually on an interview on a podcast uh, in January, so early in the year. And off air, the announcer, the, the host rather, said to me, look, when are you going? He actually just issued me a challenge. He said, hey, when are you going to launch a podcast? And I was like, what? When had that come up? And he goes, well, because I want to listen to your podcast. He goes, you and I get on so well. I just, I'd, I'd listen to you interviewing people uh, all day, every day. And I went, uh, okay, awkward. And then he says, so I'm going to issue you a challenge. He goes, I want you to launch your podcast by the end of the year. I'm incredibly competitive, by the way. I set goals for myself and I, I strive to achieve those goals. So as soon as he said that, I'm like, right, that's it. I'm going to have to do it. But then went into the same kind of procrastination spiral I normally do, which is I'm thinking, you know, I, I used to do audio engineering. So I'm going straight away. Well, obviously the audio has to be 100%. Everything has to be 100% about this podcast. Otherwise, you know, there's no point launching it. And I've got to have six months out to effectively market to launch it. In the end, I just, I had one of those moments where I woke up in the morning and went, you know what? I'm just going to pull my head out of my butt and go, I'm putting it out there. So I posted on social and said, I'm launching a podcast in I think it was four weeks or something. And and it's going to be called chasing the insights and that's all i had i was like okay right i've done it now i've told people now i have to do it so i kind of reverse engineered from there and went wait how do i do a podcast yeah. <laughs> and then how do i get guests <laughs> yeah yeah but with, but with the coaching that's that has something that is something that has come around from the need and i i've kind of i've been doing coaching and mentoring for a number of years but in the space of just helping people freely and this year i realized this is this is the thing that was missing when i was uh, chief marketing officer i had less time i couldn't really directly help anybody i couldn't really have time for anybody but the job that i had at hand and mm. that was really frustrating for me I, I whatever role i'm in i need to be kind of at the pointy end of where i'm helping people i need to see the value of what i'm doing and often mm. when you're certainly when you're at that c-suite level uh, people are numbers, people are dollar signs in a lot of cases, which I don't agree with and don't like. Um, mm. But it really is that the politics and the corporate and it, you're really stuck at that level. You don't directly get to see the impact of what you do. So so for me, that was a direct pull that was happening. And, and when I left Signet, it was like, okay, I'm going to focus on my book. Uh, but then as soon as you're surrounded by a pile of people who are in the wrong headspace or going, hey, I'm freaking out, man, like my entire livelihood here is at stake what am I going to do? That's the point where you roll up your sleeves and you go, hold my beer. We got this. I can, I can empower you. I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to teach you what you need to do. And you're going to win from this and seeing them like, honestly, I, I know I charge for this now, obviously I'm paid coach, but seeing the wins that they get and seeing the breakthroughs that people have is one of the most fulfilling things ever. Like it is a reward far more than the money that I'm getting for it, uh, which is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, 
I've, I mean, I've never been a coach myself, but I've always been someone who's been able to give people advice when they've needed it based on my own experience, which I yeah. guess essentially is, is what coaching in, but I've never pushed it to the point of, of wanting to, um, you know, advertise that that's something that I do. But I often think, and I often say it's something that comes up on this podcast a bit as I ask the questions that I'll go into you with shortly is, you know, yeah. what were your challenges and failures in business and how did you face them and rise above them to ultimately you know, keep going with your business, not quit, fold and fail. And the answer that a lot of people give to that is, I saw, I saw a mentor, I just asked uh, a mate, a cousin, a brother, a sister, uh, my wife some, in some respects, you know, who had already had the challenge, who had already been through it, who had already done it. You know, it doesn't always have to be apples for apples. They could be, you know, a butcher and you could be a baker. I'm just using basic examples. <laughs> you know, you've both had, you're both experiencing uh, a marketing problem or you both yeah. experience a finance problem or a productivity problem. Often these problems, does you know, the business is the business, um, but the, the things that you can face are often very similar or the same and, yeah. and the solutions, therefore, can be similar and the same too. Yeah. I'd even go a step further, Jake, and say, like, I, I say this to a lot of marketers, they a lot of marketers do the same thing they fall in the same trap they listen to marketing podcasts they read marketing books they read marketing blogs they're around other marketers and the challenge in that is then they have a certain way of thinking so what i do is i encourage people forget reading a marketing book well they should read them every now and then but read something else read a biography of someone who's done something different read something in the sports sector read something in the health sector or listen mm. to podcasts that are about completely different topics because it changes the way and shifts the way that you think. And often you will find so many different parallels. I, I remember reading, a, um, oh man, I'm going to sound really geeky here. Uh, one of my happy places is uh, reading scientific papers from NASA. So what they do is they issue a challenge. They say, we want to colonize Venus, which is obviously impossible. We want to colonize Venus. Here's the main challenges that that would face. How would people approach that? And people make their submissions and hearing not necessarily what it's about, but hearing the approach that people take and how they challenge the way things are done is just phenomenal. Like it just opens up the creativity in you and you feel like, oh my goodness, I, oh, it's awesome. So yeah, highly encourage that people don't just, it's not just a case of trying that, it's actively encouraging yourself to listen to other viewpoints, listen to other industries. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think as you do that, it's going to, the fact that you perhaps went for something that you wouldn't usually do, opened yourself up to something new, and then you found you got some value from it, it's going to be it's going to be a treasure trail for you of, of just doing that more and more at scale, and of course opening your mind up because I think you do have to have you know particularly this year that will have addressed it for a lot of people who perhaps had a business for maybe 10, 20, 30, or 40 years that was you know trundling along very well that's had to pivot this year, that's have to look to other sources of inspiration and ways to pivot and, and deal with challenges. And I think, and this is going to segue well to something that I want to, want to ask you about, and I know it's something to one of your core values and that you teach, and it's something I always put at the heart of my business, and that is the customer. Because yeah. it, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in, whether you're dealing with the customer face-to-face, -face, whether that's over the phone, whether it's online, your customer has to be at the heart of everything you do. If they're not, sooner or later, they're going to know that and they're just going to go and find someone else, which is so easy to do in, 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 the, in the world as fast as it is now with everything at our fingertips. They're going to find someone else and ultimately you're going to, you're going to lose their, their, their transaction with you. 
you hit on a good point but one of the things too is it's not even just the fact that the customers will stay with you but you as an entrepreneur have two choices right you have the choice to either build something and go out there and slog and slog and slog to market it and to sell it and to market it and to sell it or you can actively engage with the customer as early as possible and build something that they really want so that actually the sales and the marketing aspect is easy because they're coming to you because you're listening to them you're responding to them and you're building something that they that meets their needs so it's it's a much easier way it's actually it's Basically, it's the lazy way for entrepreneurs. The more you engage with the customers, the lazier you can be because you don't have to go out there and do the slog. It's like, this is easy, man. They give me, like customers will give you the language to market to them. They'll tell you exactly how to talk about the need, talk about your solution and talk about the desired future. It's crazy. Mm, mm, yeah, immerse yourself with the customer and see what they have to say about about yeah. the product service or, you know, um, there's no better person to test it. I know I sell yeah. an agricultural product and, a lot of the time when I'm coming up with something new, I'll just find a couple of people that I know in that space and go, hey, look, we've got something new here. I'm just going to send it to you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, what it does. I'll leave it for you to figure out and just give me some feedback on, on what you think. I don't think there's there's no better person to test your product or service than the person that you're hoping to sell it to. 100%. Now tell me about something called coffee line test, Vince. Um, <laughs> no idea oh, what it is, and I need to know more about it, mate. Okay, this is one of my favorite things. So it's, uh, it's a methodology that came out of a necessity. So uh, one of my early companies, we, we have a thing called, I don't know if you have it over in Australia uh, or anywhere else that the listeners are, but we have a thing called Startup Weekend. So basically the premise is you get together with a bunch of other entrepreneurs. You have developers, designers, and what they call hustlers, which are basically just the business types. All in a room, we got, we, and we were at the very first one here in Wellington. We had a hundred and something people in the room. Uh, mixture of all of them and you pitch your idea and we whittled it down to 12 ideas so basically 12 companies that were going to be formed at that weekend and then everyone that didn't get their ideas selected they would join a team so you get developers and designers coming to you going hey I want to be in on this I'll help you out and I go great so we created this company and the idea is you've got two days I think it was two and a half days to create this product to create this company and launch it to market and, and there's a prize at the end of it and things. So great kind of concept. It was awesome fun. Honestly, I've never seen so many fights, arguments, people falling asleep, <laughs> tears, laughter. It was just insane, like hyper intense environment. But one of the things we realized very early on was uh, this company that I pitched this idea, which was a, a mobile app, it's called Mobile Combat. The idea was it was a way for uh, Android users and iPhone users to battle each other and take dominance for their city, take dominance for their country, all these kind of things. It was and it was at the peak of the kind of iPhone versus Android um, mm. wars, basically, So, which was cool. So I thought, right. It's no good me saying this is a good idea. I need to know that people are willing to play this, that people have a desire for this, and that they're willing to buy things within it because it was a free game, but we had microtransactions within it. So I decided that's easy. I'm going to grab a clipboard. I'm going to grab a pen. I'm going to go out on the street and I'm going to ask people for their feedback. Nice and easy. Walked out there and every single person walked past me. And as I tried to get their attention, they just brushed me aside. And that's when I realized that basically when you're asking for something from in the streets, two things happen. One, they're going somewhere, so they're on a journey. So you're interrupting them, which is not good. The second no. thing that happens is they think you're a, either a street preacher or, or asking for money for something. So they don't want to listen to you anyway. So I kind of got a bit despondent and I thought, well, how am I going to test this with people? I need somewhere that has a captive audience. 
So I thought, oh, look, I'm, I'm just, I need to think this through. I'm going to clear my head. I'm going to go and grab a coffee. So I'm standing in this line at a coffee shop here in Wellington, and I'm going, man, where am I going to find a captive audience? Somewhere where people aren't going anywhere. Where am I going to find this? And I'm waiting in line for about five minutes, order my coffee. Then I'm waiting for another five minutes for the coffee to be made. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so depressing. And then the embarrassing epiphany hits, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm a captive audience right now. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere for 10 minutes. So that's when I thought I'd trial this. And what I did is I rocked up to a, a you've got to scope out your cafe as well. It's got to be mm -hmm. one that has high turnover and high transaction. And went up to the manager there and said, look, can I put my credit card on the counter? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cherry pick people out of the line. I'm going to buy their coffee if they give me just a couple of minutes of their time for some feedback. Uh, and he was like, yeah, man, I'm in. So we grabbed a table there, got a friend to help me. So they would pull people out of the line. Uh, come over to you and you would just get them to, you never just ask them, do you like this? Do you not? Would you pay for this? Wouldn't you not? They're stupid questions. I know there's no stupid questions, but those are stupid questions. What you would do is you would get people to explain a time that they've seen something like this or explain what they feel or talk through what this is, explain it back to you. Uh, there's so many different things you do and you just have these conversations and you record them. And honestly, it I had no idea how big and how impactful this would be we would get really good quality feedback from from users and things they would and most of them would opt in to hear more so most of them would be going hey when you launch this i really want it so you yeah, put their name and details down but also you would get for for such a low cost you would get all of this quality kind of verbatim that would happen so as i said when you're talking to a customer and a good example insurance industry so when i was at cigna we would go down we'd do a coffee line test on changes to a policy document so what we do is we take this policy document down, we say to someone, look, can you read this part here? And then can you explain to me what it means? So you wouldn't mm. preface it, you would just go explain to me what it means. And one of the things that really surprised us is there's an industry term premiums, and you pay your insurance premiums, we thought everybody knew what premiums was. But the amount of people that came back and said premiums, oh, that means it's really good quality. And you're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they go, Oh, oh, is this is this the payment I make? And you're like, Okay, so they call it payment, and we call it premiums. So mm -hmm. it gives you the terminology, it gives you the way that they describe it. Um, ironically, I, I failed at this in my own business. Um, at one point, I had one of those embarrassing moments where I'm talking to a couple of women in their business and said, Look, you've got a search engine optimization problem, right? You know, you're having difficulty in search. So what we need to do is an SEO audit. Uh, what I'll do is I'll lift under the hood, actually go through your website, find out what the issues are, and then I'll get your SEO results up. And they just looked at me blankly and went, we don't care about any of that, man. We just want to be found on Google. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm using a term that I understand because I'm a marketer. They're yeah. not marketers. They wouldn't have a clue. They just want to be found on Google. So I just changed the language and said, I'll yeah. tell you what, you're not getting found on Google. I'm going to do an audit and find out why, and then I'm going to get you found on Google. And they're like, oh, yay, <laughs> take my money. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just such a valuable. And then I started, uh, when I started a B2B company, we had to adapt that. Obviously, if you're in B2B, that's a bit more difficult because you can't guarantee that your prospective audience is going to be in a coffee line. So that's when we yeah. adapted it to like trade shows, conferences, uh, expos yeah. and things. You would turn up, and what you would do is you would hack the lunch line. So what right. we found is, I remember actually in Melbourne, Jake, I remember ZeroCon in Melbourne because uh, Common Ledger was in the accounting space. So we rocked mm -hmm. on up to ZeroCon. Uh, we could have paid a phenomenal amount of money to have a stand there. And we thought, well, if we've got a stand, then we've got additional problems where people are going, we're going to have to entice them to come over to us. And we're yeah. going to get a small percentage of the audience. How can we make them want to come to us? Or how do we go to them? 
So I mm. thought instead of paying for a booth, let's just grab an iPad each. I got my co-founders, grabbed an iPad each. We created a survey of seven questions, so real simple. Yeah. Each of those seven questions were designed to serve three purposes. It was designed to give us really good data on the individual themselves. It was also designed to give us um, a conversation piece. So as you're going through, you're asking the question and they're giving you the response. You, you end up having a conversation. They become a potential client. And then the third thing that would do was it would give us each of those questions was designed as a PR piece. So if one of those questions was around challenges in um, the t challenges in all the emerging technology for the accounting space and how confident they were with that, then that would become a huge PR piece because everyone thinks that new technology means it's easier, but most of the accountants were actually freaking out about it. So we go up in the rock up in the lunch lines because at ZeroCon the lunch lines were huge, you had hundreds of people in there, and we'd just walk along and go, hey, would you like to fill out a survey and go in the bottle, of, uh, go in the drawer to win a bottle of whiskey? And accountants like to drink so it was a phenomenal yes from everybody uh, and the interesting thing though was you would end up with a scenario where you're walking down you're saying to someone look what are the biggest challenges you have with all the cloud-based solutions coming in and they were like oh my goodness man now i've got clients on all these different systems and i got all these problems with that and oh you know it's just frustrating i said well what would solve that and they go oh if there was only one system that would just i don't know make them all play nicely together and i'm like you're kidding me we're literally beta testing that at the moment and you would end up in a scenario where you're not selling anything. They would go, I want in. In fact, I'm not going to let you leave this line until you get put me down. I want to be on the beta. I need yeah. this now. Um, yeah. So it was such an easy sell at that point. It's so mad that you mentioned that and with regard to accounting, because actually my mate and actually my accountant, Dan, Dan Donners, is actually watching now. I can see him there in the comments. He's actually just come up. Hey, Dan. <laughs> said, wow, I think, he, I think he's surprised that we're... Uh, We've mentioned accounting on the podcast finally. Perhaps <laughs> the time for the fact that accountants like to drink a bit. I know he likes a whiskey himself. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, think... by the way, if you ever want to sell to accountants, here's that inside tip. Sorry, Dan, I'm going to give a bit of a secret away here. What you do, you take them all out and you say, drinks are on me, right? So you've got them all there. And then you grab a pint. This only works in Australia. Grab a pint. You down that so fast. I'm talking. You chug that back, and everyone just goes, "Whoa, this guy! Whoa, man!" And then what they don't realize is the second pint that you pick up is the pint that you've got for the rest of the night, and you just slowly sip it and sip it and sip it. So come two o'clock in the morning, all these accountants are absolutely plastered. Right? They can't even make a decision. And the next morning, you're going. So you agreed to this. You agreed to that. You agreed to this. <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Hot tactics, hot tactics, love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think going back to what you said about coffee line tester, and I, I love that story because I had no idea what that meant at all. I'm really glad you explained it in the long yeah. tail. It, I think when you, you know, when you're trying to stand out in the street and just pick people out at random, um, people are almost, would it fair to be say, offended by that these days it just yep. rubs people up the wrong way they're too used to what it might represent and what it has represented for a long time but yep. when you use the initiative to approach people in a different way and perhaps in a space like a, a coffee line where you know it's a little bit mundane it's just means to an end they're there just because um, i mean they have to be like they, they could yep. do being there a lot quicker but if you're doing something within that space that maybe feels so they're not there helping you of course of course they're getting something back out of it they're getting a free coffee yeah. of course you're always going to want people to go i want to be involved i want i want more to do with this i want more i've already yeah. contributed here how can i do it more and inevitably they're going to want to end up on that on that um you know that notification list of 
of when this goes live, I want to be I want to be involved because they've seen you to start with as someone that's refreshing, someone that's the difference, uh, and it, and it's, there's there's attraction in that, of course. Yeah, and you'll you'll be surprised how often people want to give their feedback. Uh, people, I mean, mm-hmm. people are the same everywhere. They're the same as you and I. They're the same as everyone listening to this podcast. People just want to be heard. They want to know that their 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 um, opinions, their views, everything is important. That they have a voice. So what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to buy you coffee for you because you were going to buy one anyway. But at the same time, I really value your opinion. I value you as a, as a potential customer, as a human. Can I get your feedback? And people are really surprisingly open to that. So. Yeah, they, they are. Um, when you do it in the right way, of course. Yeah. Of course, it, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, it's funny. It, it makes me think of a way that, you know, reviews are a big thing now in, 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 any, in any business you're at, you know. Yeah. It's hard to not have a business now and not have it, you know, on the internet in some way. I can't really think of any business that wouldn't be or, or wouldn't have carry a lot more gravity in, in having your your so at least your business displayed online, you know, even yeah, if it is sure. place online, reviews play a big part in that. And the way in which I go after reviews uh, from my customers is usually with an actual phone call later, a later date, uh, and or a text message, uh, and or possibly an email as well. But it depends on on what the transaction's been. But I think that having that personal touch, you know, hi Vince, how are you? Just touching base on the products we we you you. You were kind enough to buy from us a couple of weeks ago. Just wanted to know how it's how it's been going for you. Instead of just the copy page generic email, you get seven days yeah. later. Hey, um, give us a review. Make sure it's five stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing to note on that though is the only people that really will take like will take the time to do that kind of review are the ones that are highly motivated, either in the positive or the negative, or you've incentivized them, which that's questionable, you know. So as soon as you're saying mm. to somebody who's extremely happy with your service, can you give us a five star? They may make the effort to actually do that. But if they're mm. really unhappy, they're going to go in there. I guarantee they're going to go in there and give you one star. But one mm. of the things that I found was really useful is actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting for, lifting for them. So gathering testimonials. Mm. One of the easiest ways is actually to call them up like you did or jump on a Zoom call or whatever and actually talk through say to them look you know what was the challenge you had what made you reach out to me just record the conversation what Mm. made you reach out to me and what was the process like how did you find that how can it be improved and what was the outcome so actually get a bit of a review from them verbatim and then go back and actually write the key messages from what they've said that you actually want to get across so the key kind of messages you want people to know about your business and go back to them and say, hey, I've just paraphrased a lot of what you've said. I took out some of the verbatim. And would this be a fair representation of what your experience was like with me? And they'll go, yes, because it's in their words. And then you go, great, can yeah. I use that as a review? So you've effectively written your own review, but in your customer's words. It's really powerful. Love that, mate. And I'm actually going think... Uh... It's always it's always great having these uh, <clears throat> conversations because, as well as the people that are watching, learning stuff, I always keep myself open and my eyes and ears open and, and become a bit of a sponge in the face and learn stuff myself as well. Mm. Now let's talk about challenges and and somewhat failures in in business things. I always like to go there on this show because Good. you know as well as I do. I hope you won't mind me saying you're a little bit older than me, mate, and and you're probably <laughs> wow. <more> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Just a few years. <laughs> I'm sure you've met more challenges and failures in business than I have, 
and yep. I'm sure you've learned many more lessons from them. So maybe you'd like to go into a few and, and, and what you learned from them. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man, uh, we could be here for hours if we just want to. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer. First of all, I just want to say this. I'm a firm believer that I, I don't even like calling them failures because there's such a negative connotation around it where I, I actually think failure is a good thing. And I don't mean the whole adage of you've got to fail before you succeed, etc. But I'm a, I'm a scientist, basically. I, I, I love science. I love, um, you know, the physics. I love electronics. I love all these kind of things. I love experimentation. In fact, my first book is around experimentation in digital marketing. And one of the premises <laughs> I have to teach people in that is an experiment isn't about success and failure. An experiment is actually about what you learn. And the outcome may be that you've proven or disproven a hypothesis. So based on that, there's no such thing as failure. There is either success or learning. Um, so that's kind of how I've approached it. And oh man, I've had many failures. Um, that company I told you about, the, the mobile app called Mobile Combat, uh, yeah. that was probably one of my first biggest failures. Uh, we we launched that weekend. We did really well in the competition, which was awesome. I uh, just got owned in the last last part of it. So we came second instead of first. Um, but we went on to take it forward as a company and failed miserably. And the reason we failed miserably is a number of things. One, we had the wrong developer. Um, turns out you need a developer that can actually develop. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll go any further than that. Uh, so that was a challenge in itself. Uh, also, we discovered that there is a huge amount of things that we didn't know about the industry. Because we went to launch, we actually struck up a deal with our, one of our big telcos here in New Zealand. We were very close to signing them up to doing a sponsorship deal for the app and to mm -hmm. be able to put it out on the phones of all their different customers. They mentioned it to Apple. Apple were about to launch the new iPhone. Apple said, we do not get compared to anybody. We don't, we, we are not Android versus Apple. We are Apple and everybody else is lesser than us. So therefore, if you participate in this, you will no longer be able to sell the iPhone. And Ooh. of course, that was a big deal for a telco. So that fell through majorly. And at that point, we realized also we were going to have an uphill battle trying to get it into the App Store because mm. of the philosophies of Apple. So the failure, if we want to call it failure, was more around what we didn't know than what we did know. Mm. Um, and then through the years, even with Common Ledger, a lot of things that we learned along the way, uh, any of the failures that we had were often when we were trying to do things ourselves, or in my case, when I'm trying to do things myself. So the biggest learning, and I think you've already said it, Jake, the biggest learning I've had is get a coach. Get a coach as fast as possible and pay for that coach as well. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a coach, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm not selling myself to anyone here. It is genuinely important. It's one of the things I did this year when I left Cigna is I went, okay, if I'm going to do this, I can't do this alone. I've learned this through my career. So I'm going to have to find a coach. So in the end, I actually found two. I found a coach and an accountability coach um, who serve very different purposes. Mm. Uh, and I pay for that. I pay for that service. And the benefit they give you is they will highlight the gaps that you have. In other words, you know, we, we don't know everything and we can never know everything. And we're, we're idiots if we think we can. So we have all these gaps in our knowledge. We have these gaps in our experience. A coach's job is to come in there and fill those gaps. Or if they can't personally, they will find a way for it to be filled. They'll connect you with somebody else. They'll find some content that's going to help you. They'll find something to help you. But as well, they'll also identify your blind spots. And that was a big one for me this year. Um, coaching was a great example of that where I've got this plan for world domination for the year where I'm going to write, launch the podcast, write these books, I'm launching some training programs later in the year. I've got all these different things I want to launch and, and work towards. But my coach actually sat down and said, hey, interesting to note here, 
all of the coaching and mentoring work you've done over the last six, seven years has all been free of charge. Why is that? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just love to give back and I find it really fulfilling. And, you know, say, oh, it's actually really selfish of me because, and she goes, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. And actually challenged me on that and said, is it because you've got a block, a, uh, like a mindset block that says, mm. if I charge people for this, they may not want it. Mm. And I was like, oh. And at the moment she highlighted that, I realized that's a blind spot for me that I wasn't aware of. So we went through two exercises. The first thing we did was we said, okay, we're going to write down everyone I've helped in the last 12 months. So just pick 12 months. I wanted to go back five years just for my ego. She went, nope, 12 months. Go back, write down everybody you've helped over those 12 months. Write down what they do. Write down what you've helped them with and write down the breakthroughs that they have seen as a result of what you've done. That was very confronting for me because suddenly I had this huge list of breakthrough and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've actually helped so many different people. And she went, yeah. And the question to you is, do you think they'd pay for that? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, honestly, I've had companies double their revenue just off a lunch with myself and I'm doubting that they would pay for that. I mean, that's just, that's awesome. ignorance. So yeah, th so that was an important process. And then the other thing we did is I made a conscious decision at that point to go, if this is a blind spot for me, I need to address it, which means I need to take some paid coaching clients. The second I did that, my eyes were open because it's a blind spot. You don't see things. My eyes were open and suddenly I realized that people have been asking for this from me for a long time and I've just pushed them away or gone, oh, I don't have, you know, it's, it's not for me right now kind of thing. The second I suddenly went, yep, I'm going to do this. I've got a whole pile of paid coaching clients. So they, that's the benefit of uh, having a coach. The other thing, by the way, a coach does is those mornings that we all have as entrepreneurs. And if you don't think you have this, you're probably lying to yourself. Those mornings where you get up and you're like, I can't face the day. I don't want to do this. What am I doing? Who am I fooling? I should go and get a corporate job again. Oh no, <laughs> this is never going to work. Those days where you're freaking out, mm. that's when you can reach out to a coach. And the key thing that they will do is they will give you perspective. So uh, often when we're in this stage of self-doubt and, and uh, particularly with imposter syndrome and things like that, whenever we're kind of hitting the wall there, it's because our thoughts and our feelings aren't aligned with our evidence. They're not aligned with what's actually in front of us. So a good coach, their job is to align those two things. So suddenly when you're going, oh, I can't do this, no one would value my opinion, what, who do I think I am? And then you look at how many people you're helping and how many people are relying on you to turn up and relying on you to help their business to grow. That's when those two things, when they come into alignment, all of those doubts disappear and it makes it about somebody else and not yourself. So that's why I, I don't just encourage, I, th I think everybody needs a coach, even in your personal life. Honestly, just find a coach and, and someone to help you, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I really agree with that. Coming from a space of, of having done that personally up until this year, and then doing it business wise this year, and yeah, it really makes really makes a big difference. How just having yeah. someone who who you can go to get that wisdom, advice, knowledge from, someone who keeps you accountable, you know, wholly and truly. You know, sometimes yeah. they even get into you a bit to the point of like, you know, quite frankly, why the hell haven't you done this yet? You know, we said it's going to be done by now. You know, sometimes you need that, particularly as you get, you know, a little bit older in life and um, and your parents might just might not be around anymore to tell you to get your shit together, quite frankly, or, you know, those people, particularly teachers and that kind of fade yeah. away. Um, yeah, you kind of need that bringing back into your life. And um, You do. And, yeah, and not, just, not just for the work aspects as well. My, my accountability coach is amazing. 
But one of the key things she's identified is I'm a workaholic because I love what I do. I'm really passionate about it, but I'm terrible at looking after myself, which you can tell by the injury, by the way. Um, so I'm terrible at looking after myself. So my wife and my kids, they will hold me to account. But my accountability coach works something out. And she worked out that writing is my happy place. So when I'm writing, I'm, I'm, this is when I feel the freest, I feel the most creative, and I really, really enjoy writing. But writing is also one of the first things that I sacrifice if I'm under pressure, or if I'm, you know, if I'm anxiety or anything like that, or stress, then writing is the first thing to go. So often with my accountability coach, the first thing she said to me is, so how much have you written this week? And I'm like, ah, like, are you looking after yourself? Do I have to call Leanne? I'm like, ah, she's already dialing Leanne. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's that interesting, Matt. I think I might need to get, get her name off you so I can... Uh, <laughs> hey, she's mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> Now, of course, we have to talk about, Vince, the word hustle. Oh, I'd yes, to, yes. Uh, I'd love to know how you define the word hustle. And, and, and as a man who clearly has a lot going on and a big drive for it, what kind of drives your, your hunger for the hustle? Okay, right. Oh, man, here we go. <sighs> Preparing myself. Um, <laughs> so, first of all, the word hustle, there's a negative aspect to this, which I don't like. Um, so I used to, I've got on my wall, you can't see it because it's behind me there. Uh, I used to have on my wall three mantras. So when I come in the morning, one of them was just start. So the whole concept is as soon as you start something, it makes it a lot easier. Another mm -hmm. one was keep writing because that's my happy place. And the other one was hustle hard. And I realized that's the one thing that made me feel really uncomfortable being on the wall. And the reason it did is because I don't fully believe that. Right? I don't fully believe that all of us should be hustling 24-7, you know, grinding, grinding, grinding until we get the sales, until we get the wins. Actually, hustling for me isn't about that. Hustling about is about constantly turning up. And it's also being aware of who you are. Because as entrepreneurs, you can't be 24-7. You can't be 100% all the time. It's impossible. You're a human being, which means you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. I have bad days where I will get very little done. Uh, and today, by the way, today is one of those days other than this podcast, um, just because I'm still recovering from the head injury. Um, but there's days like that where you've got to give yourself permission to ease back and give yourself permission to look after yourself. So hustle for me isn't about the hard work and the hard work and the hard work. It's about turning up. And as entrepreneurs, that's one of the biggest things that we can do is consistently turn up. And by that, I mean consistently looking for ways that you can help your customers, consistently looking for ways that you can, you can show up and add value to them. But it doesn't have to be this hard work or this, uh, this grinding that, that usually goes hand in hand with hustling. So, so for me, that's hustling. Hustling is about always trying to improve yourself, always trying to add value to your customer and always turning up. It's not the hard work, hard work, burn yourself out, burn your candle at both ends and then in the middle as well, just for good measure, you know, so... Yeah. yeah, I'm laughing because I've been there, mate. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, that's the thing. Every entrepreneur has. I have as well. I'm oh, terrible sure. at it, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And after a while, um, and, and not not to cut into your answer too heavily here, but it it comes at the peril of yourself and your business, right? You know, yep. if you're just working hammer to, heavy to pedal to the metal all the time, you're going to burn out, and then you're not going to be able to deliver everything you want to do. It just the, the just scale gets thrown completely out when you do it too much. I'm speaking from experience here when yes. I sign up to you, everyone yeah. watching. I've had that as well, man. I, I, those mornings I talk about where you get up and you're like, what am I doing? Uh, I remember clearly having that one morning and I was like, 
I got up and I'm like, I'm not feeling this. I had all this stuff scheduled. I was trying to do some research in the morning and I'm like, I'm, I'm not taking on board anything here. I'm actually mm. burning out. So I've got to be really cautious. So I went, I'm going to deliberately stop. I'm going to go and I, I lay down on our couch in the living room. Our cat comes up and curls up on me. He loves it when I lay down on the couch. <laughs> so he curled up on me and I was watching uh, Doom Patrol, a great TV series. Um, so as well, I just decided I'm just going to watch an episode of Doom Patrol. I'm doing nothing and I'm, I'm doing that deliberately. So mm. I took some time for myself. Then I made myself a cup of coffee. Um, then I just I started reading a book and I was just enjoying the moment. And then the family got up and wife went off to work, son went off to school and things. And then suddenly I went to get into work and I'm, I'm revitalized. I'm energized because I have taken time out. So coming back created a whole new energy. So all of a sudden I realized that if I had have just kept slogging in the morning and thought, you know what, even though I'm not feeling this, even though I'm really struggling, I've got to keep pushing through and got to keep pushing through. I might have achieved, I don't know, 10% of what I needed to for the day. But actually mm -hmm. taking time out and going, let's re-energize the batteries, like recharge them. Let's take some time for myself. Let's not feel guilty about that, which is one of the biggest problems as entrepreneurs. Yes. Don't feel guilty about that. Be very deliberate about that and then come back. And all of a sudden I had a day where I achieved 80% of what I needed to, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, being guilty, feeling about it. Yeah, yeah, been there. Um, and I think that, yeah, just being like, well, I shouldn't take a break. I need to keep working harder, 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 harder. Yeah, it just doesn't last. Just doesn't yeah. last. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And then, and then, kind of, I mean, to finish off the question, maybe you've answered it there in itself. But what does it? What does, what kind of drives you into? What kind of keeps you going in that in that that hustle? Um, I think it's it's reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing uh, because I, I kind of say there's two schools of entrepreneurs, right? There are real entrepreneurs and then there are people that just want to make money um, or, you know, who can't be asked working for a corporate or whatever. I'm talking to true entrepreneurs now. True entrepreneurs are people that genuinely want to impact the world or make a change or help people, right? If you're coming from that position as an entrepreneur, then the hustle is a lot easier because you can remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. So that list I wrote down of all those people that I helped, and I've kept adding to that list and adding to it and adding to it every time one of my clients gets a major breakthrough, every time that they've made a major sale, every time that things turn around for them, I write that down. And that becomes my kind of go-to. So on those days where I'm not feeling it, I look at that list and suddenly it's not about me. It's not about if I'm doubting myself. It's not about if I'm going through imposter syndrome. It's not about if I'm feeling like a complete nut of fraud. I'm looking at the evidence in front of me and going, these people actually rely on me to turn up. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. I'm just going to turn up for them anyway. So that's, it's about the why for me is that's how I keep motivated on the hustle. Yeah. When you know the why you can endure anyhow. Uh, anything along, that, along yeah. that roller coaster of yeah. yeah. And a whole year down. of 2020s. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly right, mate. Well put. Yeah. Um now I think before we before we close out, mate, I'd love to hear some more about the Chasing the Insights podcast. What yeah. what you talk about in that and, and who you've got like coming up on the show. Oh man, um it's just been the most amount of fun. Uh, so we'll be going for about two and a half months. Um yep. but or coming up actually almost coming up to three months, I should say. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. um, I've been running for as well. That is interesting. Oh mate, we're twinsies, yeah. <laughs> but it's um really the premise of the show. Originally it was supposed to be I have a 
fireside chat usually over a single malt scotch with somebody that i like in the industry and we just talk and then people get to hear that conversation um but then i realized actually most of the people i'm dealing with are in the us canada all these different places so mm. most of those recordings are at four or five in the morning and apparently it's not socially acceptable to have a scotch at that hour so so i changed <laughs> it from that to it really is just a fireside chat with mm. uh, people who are at the top of their game and by that i mean I didn't want all the usual names on there. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. At conferences, for example, they really frustrate me. A any conference that I'm speaking at is probably frustrating me because I tend to speak at most of them. And mm. I'm I am sick to death of my own voice. In that sense, I'm sick to death. Like people, I know I'm going to add value to people that are there, but I also mm. know that they need different voices. They need different people who have different experiences closer to what they've gone through. So they need to hear from them to help them with their business. So the goal of the podcast was to find people around the world and literally all over the world who add value, who have gone through stuff, who are further on ahead than you are as an entrepreneur and can reflect on that, talk about their journey and then talk about what they've learned along the way. And mm -hmm. the feedback I've had from that has been phenomenal. So I always go through each episode is about 30, 40 minutes. I finish yep. with. Uh, I finished with something that you'll think is very familiar because I know you're about to do it to me. But what are the three things that uh, three practical tips that you could do to move the needle for your business? Because I want practical advice in there. But also the story aspect of that and their journey to get to where they are, why they're passionate about what they do adds a lot of context to their area of expertise. So I think that's really important. Um, but the feedback I've had from it, we had a woman on there who had gone through a really interesting journey. She'd been fired a number of times. Uh, she's an incredible, incredible woman, like really powerful uh, entrepreneur. And she was fired multiple times just for having a voice, just for speaking out and saying, I don't agree with this. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, her husband left her, all these different things. And there was a moment where she sat in a car just feeling like an absolute failure. And that's when she realized it was one of those epiphany moments of going, what am I doing? I'm actually a decent human being. I'm a good person. She said she could almost hear the voice going, are you ready to be you now? So she talked mm -hmm. through that journey and then what she was doing and all the insights she learned along the way. Um, I got I got contacted by somebody who had heard that. In fact, multiple people who had heard that story and felt like it spoke directly to them. And in some cases, they couldn't even talk about that sense of failure that they felt from being fired from their jobs. They had mm -hmm. never really opened up about that at all, which meant as entrepreneurs now, going out doing their own thing, they have this baggage that they're carrying from the fear and that feeling of failure that they had before. So actually hearing this story from this woman, Kelly, unlocked everything for them. And they were like, oh my goodness, A, I'm not alone, and B, I can talk about this. So they, they've managed to unlock a whole pile of things for their, on their business, their entrepreneurship, just by understanding and hearing this other person's story. That to me makes having a podcast the one of the awesomest things in the world. Like I know awesomest is not a word, um, but it makes it one of the best things ever, man. So, so that's kind of the format. I've had people, I've had all sorts of people. I have a neuroscientist uh, from the UK. I've had uh, Facebook marketing experts, Facebook ad experts, search people. I've had all sorts of different things. So we generally get marketers and salespeople and every yeah. now and then some mindset stuff. In fact, one of my most popular episodes ever is with my accountability coach. And oh, I think really? part of the reason it was so popular is because the entire episode is just hearing me cracking up laughing because <laughs> we have a really good rapport. But it was all talking about um, the falsity of balance, but more around 
having harmony with your life and your business and all this kind of stuff as well. So mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. been awesome. And and some of the people I've got coming up, I've got a, a pro wrestler uh, coming up. He's cool. going to be speaking on the show very soon. Uh, I've got, uh, what else have I got? An Icelandic comedian. There's all sorts of people I've got oh, coming brilliant. on the show. Yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. Fantastic. And, and I think, you know, something that you said there, I, I see us as, as hosts of it. And really we just facilitators in a way aren't we we're yeah we're, we're bringing out these people that perhaps you know maybe they've put their voice and story out before maybe they haven't for me really it's even greater if they haven't because you know great you know first first place for them to do that and 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 a lot of the time their voices and stories i believe everyone's really should be heard but when people get in touch with you whether it's through like the, the 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 public forum or a review, or just actually reach out to you personally and say that was a really great episode. I got some really yeah. great feedback. Or they get in touch with your guests and say really enjoyed that. Really great feedback for me. Just like big tick, big thumbs up, mission complete. And that's what I mean when I say we're just like we're just the facilitator really yep. um, for the people to get this knowledge, advice, you know, um, and and just provide that provide a platform to for people to do that on. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's no surprise to me whatsoever, Vince, that we are in similar roles in this and that our podcasts are very similar as well because what you, you'll you know this, what you are chasing is chasing you, what you're moving towards is moving towards you and it's yeah. almost like a magnetic magnetic force. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I, like, like I said, I just love the fact that that people get to hear from a point of view that they may not have heard from before. And honestly, it does, some of them challenge you, some of the interviews will challenge people, they will get them to think different, they will get them to go, you know what, I've, I've been hesitant to try that, but maybe I'll try that now. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll just get the breakthrough that I need from a business. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah a new perspective, a fresh fresh yeah. look, a fresh point of view from uh, from from someone can definitely inspire you to, to adopt that yourself. Now, you were right. We do close. We do close out <laughs> with three hot tips. However, what I sometimes like to do, and I'm going to do it for the point and purpose of what you've just said, is come at you with some really weird, wacky, rapid fire questions. So we will right. go through three hot tips first. Yeah. Um, and that in the context of anyone, three hot tips to anyone who's watching. Perhaps a book recommendation as well, Vince. I know you're someone who reads a lot. Yeah. Um, anyone who's watching this show right now, who is working for someone maybe you're happy doing what you do but you know you'd like to do it more for yourself maybe you're just not happy doing what you do at all and you're thinking you know i don't want to work for someone else anymore i want to do my own thing i want to go forth in entrepreneurship and and owning my own business so three tips for them uh yep that's easy number one get a coach right, if you're going to do this you're going to need someone to help you and guide you it's as simple as that so reach out to a coach Find someone who's aligned with you too. That's really important. Um, it was one of the first things I did when I said, okay, I'm going to get a coach this year. Uh, I The first thing I did was go through and work out who I didn't want as a coach. And there are people who you don't agree with or don't align with you necessarily. I mean, there needs to be a little bit of tension there because they've got to push you and challenge you. But you don't want people who are have different ethics or different morals to you and things like that as well. So reach out to someone who you really look up to someone who you'd like what they do and you'd really want to be doing what they're doing and ask them if they are a coach or, or if they are a coach, reach out and say, look, you know, I need to talk to you about this. So that's number one. Number two, um, just know that you're going to suck at it at first. Know that you're going to make mistakes. Know that you're not going to know everything and know that that's A-OK. There is nothing wrong with that. All of us do that. Even the most successful people you look at sucked when they started. And in fact, I did that. I learned this lesson. Um, I'm... 
I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, Jake, but I'm a big fan of tap dancing. Uh, I can't tap dance, but I'm a big fan of tap dance. When I was little, I saw Singing in the Rain, and it was the greatest movie I'd seen at the time, other than, of course, Star Wars. Um, but I was like, what is this movie? It was awesome, and the dance routines were incredible, and I always wanted to do that, but of course, you know, it's it's not that cool, so I'm not going to. And then later in life, I decided, decided you know what, I'm at the point now, I don't really care what people think of me. I'm going to learn to tap dance. So I went and did a class and I came away so despondent and so annoyed and so dismayed because I really, really sucked at it. I had this in my mind, I could picture myself dancing. It was like, I'm going to be brilliant at this, but it turns out I wasn't. So I actually stepped away from it and I teach people don't ever do that. And I've done it myself. So this year I've made a choice. I am going to go back to tap dancing classes and I'm going to do it again. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that as a tip for all of you. Don't go out and do tap dancing. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so just know that you're going to suck and know that that's okay, guys. Give yourself permission to do that. And then the third thing I would say is um, get in front of your customers as fast as possible. Get in front of your potential customers. If you're going to make the leap, you need to be, you need to have some kind of assurance that this is going to work. And the best way to do that is to be talking to the people that you're going to be meeting the need of, or talking to the people that you're going to be serving. That's my top three tips. How about book recommendation? Um, I'm going to cheat and give you three. One of them's mine because it's a damn good book. <laughs> I know because I put my heart and soul into it. Uh, so that's called Chasing the Insights. But the other two, um, just looking at my bookcase over here, Contagious by Jonah Berger is a must read. Uh, honestly, if you want to understand what works and what doesn't work in marketing, uh, Contagious, it's basically a huge amount of research into uh, you know, into viral, into what goes viral, into virility right. in that in marketing. Uh, and it talks about concepts like social currency, which are just vitally important. So highly recommend that. It gets one of my highest recommendations. Um, the other one would be Everybody Writes by Han Anne Handley. Uh, if you're wanting to write content, write a book, write blog posts, write social posts, that is going to very quickly become your Bible. So check that one out. Nice. Love that, Vince. Love that. Um, and Let's go with these rapid fire questions. Okay, here we pretty, go. Pretty wacky and out there, but we've got to have some fun, right? That's what life's all about. If you were stuck on a desert island, Vince, what are the three things you would take with you, mate? Um, a solar generator, a TV, and a, and a game console. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Forget the one, did you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll survive. It's just I don't want to get bored. <laughs> yeah. What's your, and we're going to go there, Vince, what's your fear, mate? What is your fear? My fear? Uh, oh, man, I've got many fears. Probably the most prominent one, though, like as entrepreneurs, we often talk about fear of failure. I don't think I have the fear of failure. I do have the fear of success, and mm -hmm. I do have the fear of being seen. And this is probably one of the biggest ones that cripples a lot of entrepreneurs, um, particularly when you're leaving a corporate environment, by the way. If you're going out and doing something, there's often this fear that we have that if we get visible, which you need to do if you're an entrepreneur, by the way, if you're building something, you need to get visible. But as soon as we do that, we're going to be judged. And the people we used to work with are going to go, this guy or this girl, they're doing that. The fact is two things. One, they may do that. Who cares? They're not your target market. They're not, there, they're not the people that you're there to serve. They're not the people that you're there to help. So don't worry about their voice. But the second thing is, in reality, most people don't even think of you. Even when you are seen, most people couldn't care less. They all, everybody cares about themselves more than anyone else. That's just fact. So don't worry about being seen, just press in anyway. So that's my biggest fear. That's something I constantly have to work on. I constantly have to push through. 
I'd probably answer the question in the same way someone asked me. That's why I'm, that's why I'm yeah. smiling. It's an interesting, very interesting point you made. Them and snakes, by the way. Them and snakes, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not a fan of you snakes. Get, you get snakes in New Zealand? Nah, no, nah, man, no. Nah. Uh, Why do you think we're over here and not Aussie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're all good then, mate. Yeah. Vince, if people want to find you, I'm going to drop it in the comments here, your link. Yep. But let's, let's hear from you. Where's the best place to find and connect with you? And, of course, listen to the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, ChasingTheInsights.com. Real simple. Um, that's the podcast episode, uh, podcast website. It's also got in there where you can buy my book. Uh, but also there's a link in there on the homepage. There's a link to the Facebook group. It's one of the easiest ways to connect with me. So come and join me in the Facebook group. We've got um, almost 300 entrepreneurs in there who uh, they're just one of the most supportive communities ever. So we do accountability challenges each week. We do celebrations with each other on the Friday. Uh, well, Friday, New Zealand, Australia time. If you're in the US, sorry, it's Thursday. You just have to restructure your weeks. <laughs> but we do masterclasses and things like that as well. So, a, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me, chasingtheinsights.com, or just hit me up on social. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Brilliant. Cool. Vince, it's been an absolute pleasure to join you today and, and share some time uh, and just knowledge with you as well. I might have learned a lot from you today, so thank you for that. Thank you to everyone that's been listening, Joe and Dan on the side. And um, if you listen to this later, I hope you enjoyed it. Take care, everyone. Awesome. Stay strong, people. See you, Vince. See you, mate.